Coming up on Home Dunk, Sean Doolittle of the Oakland A's tells us why he's throwing into a sock. It's Home Dunk. I hit a home dunk. I wish that you had shown up. I played over my head. Everything was off the charts. I jumped out the gymnasium and knocked it out the park. I hit Did a handstand. I hit a grand slam. It was a great day for the fans. Man, I got three sacks and broke three bats. I gave the crowd money plus free snacks. I did a hat trick and a backflip. It's on ESPN Classic. And you weren't there and it hurt me to watch them retire my jersey. I hit a home dunk. Thank you, Open Mike Eagle, for that theme song. Hello, everybody. It's John Moe here to talk about the sporting. And uh, we're going to talk to the closer for the Oakland A's here pretty soon about something called sock throwing and uh, some other insights. Sean Doolittle, one of our our favorite guys, uh, he just doesn't seem like an athlete. He just seems like this sort of weird, funny guy you know who happens to be the closer for the A's. Uh, It's a conundrum, but uh, we like him a lot. We'll hear from him soon. Uh, Speaking of bearded fellows, Mike Fotis is with me right now, uh, comedian, actor, writer, and uh, featured guy on the radio show Wits. Hello, Mike. Hi, John. How's it going? It's going okay. Um, So let's let's get right into it. I want to lead off here with Adrian Peterson. Oh, that guy. Yeah. He's a dummy, and uh, he, he recently turned 30. And to celebrate uh, his impending inefficacy as a running back, because that happens after you turn 30, he threw a big party that he rode into on a camel. A camel. Yeah, it was amazing. (laughs) Talk about, you know, why don't you keep a low profile after a year of being an idiot? (laughs) Right. To put it kindly. No, I think I'll have a really lavish birthday party where I ride in on a camel. Ride in on a camel. So this is a guy, and now uh, his agent is saying is making statements in the press that he really doesn't think that Adrian is a good fit for the Vikings. He really wants to get him out of town. Adrian Peterson is under contract for a couple more years to play for the Vikings. The Vikings have all the leverage in this situation. The agent and presumably Peterson are pushing, I guess, either for a trade or for him to be released and become a free agent and be able to sign anywhere he wants to. This, to me, uh, you know, I didn't like the guy already because he he abused his own child. Uh, but, oh, man, what a jerk. Yeah, I mean, where does he even... First, he just won't apologize for anything that happened. Like, he truly doesn't think he's done anything wrong. Right. He lives in this this fog that is just it's impenetrable yes. it must be it's it's unbelievable i will say this if he just apologizes yes or better yet if the vikings just flat out cut him mm-hmm. i will i will revoke my status as a bears fan <laughs> and i will become a vikings <laughs> fan because that will be the coolest move that any nfl team has ever made yeah that's right up there with uh when the detroit pistons just released josh smith and it cost them a lot of money but they just said we can't we can't bear to have this right. human being around us any longer <laughs> i will don those horns and wear those stupid purple uniforms <laughs> but conversely like uh, i was a fan of the vikings when i was a very young child before there were seattle seahawks because we rooted for the vikings because we were norwegian and we didn't know any better and uh so they've always been my backup team, and I've tried to root for them here. And, you know, Peterson, before he beat the crap out of his kid, what an exciting player. What a very um, amazing player to watch. You felt privileged to watch him, especially in the seasons when he didn't fumble constantly. Um, but then, 
when they tried to just put him back on the team last fall after like a week, I just said, you know, I can't support this team. So I'm in a position similar to what you just said, where if they, if they flat out cut him, I would be the world's biggest Viking fan. But if they really try to just there's talk now that they might try to apologize to him for not being supportive enough when he was uh, when he was being rightfully uh, prosecuted for beating up his kid. So let's assume that I did a bunch of bad stuff at my job yes. or outside of my job right. and in my job, wherever. Yes. I got called into the office. They listed all the things that I did wrong. Yeah. I nodded my head. You and hurt I... people and some of your coworkers said, I don't really like being around Mike anymore. <laughs> Right. And then I nodded my head, and all I said is, "I'll I'll accept your apology whenever you want to offer it." <laughs> I don't think that would go over so no, big at your place of employment. Reality is so different than the NFL. Now, here's a question: Why does the team? Why do the Minnesota Vikings? attract such horrible people like this is a great place to live i'm not a native minnesotan but i love it here uh friendly people all around but then you get like randy moss and adrian peterson and the sex boat guys the sex boat guys forgot about those guys i don't know what it is but summers here are so nice, though, that I think people just relax and then just start doing dumb stuff. <laughs> Is there something? I wonder if it's mosquitoes. I wonder if like there's a there's like a recessive gene that some people have that gets activated by a mosquito bite, and so then uh, it turns them into jerks. But you have to have a lot of money first, right? And then that's what triggers it, or it helps, it makes you susceptible to it. I don't know. I, I think that's know. probably it. I, it's it's uh, it's yeah. What would you ride into your birthday? That's party? what I was just gonna ask you. <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> I would ride a dolphin. A dolphin. And so it would have to be an ocean-based birthday party. Uh huh. Sure. Um, a so, sea party. Yeah. So I would try to do it on a cliff, like. So the party would be on a cliff, right? So then a dolphin would get me as far as a dolphin could. Right. And then a hawk would grab me, then lower me onto the shoulders of a lion. Uh-huh. So honestly, it would be three-pronged, but that would be my best. So uh, you're going to need like an army of hawks, though, because hawks alone aren't that big. Hawks are much smaller than you. Oh, okay. Well, not a hawk then. An albatross? Is that the big bird? Yeah. I still, I, I think you could team up some animals. You could have like an all-star team of lifting birds. Yeah. I mean, that's fine. It's really important, though, that some type of bird lifts me up. Like, yeah. That's probably even more than riding on a dolphin. Like, that's the thing that gets me really excited. Uh-huh. What about you? Uh, I think uh, a donkey. I think really? just one donkey. And then I want the music playing to be... <laughs> and the donkey's uncooperative. And then a hobo is pulling the donkey from the front, and the donkey doesn't want to go. Does everybody at your party have to clap enthusiastically as you slowly <laughs> Yes, arrive? And, and they, I want them all in formal wear. <laughs> Drinking they, champagne. They can't let up at all. Yeah. It just, it just goes on and on. It takes like 25 minutes. I, I think that's that's what I would ideally like to have. Much both of our choices are better than camels. Yeah. Okay, moving on. The Sweet 16. We're we're on to the second round of the uh the NCAA basketball tournament and uh this is kind of when the fatigue sets in for me because I realized what a commitment I've signed up for. The first round, the first couple of rounds are exciting, you get the upsets and then the final four is exciting cuz you really get to think about it. This just sort of feels like the uh you know, the, the, the side salad of the basketball tournament. I understand your perspective on it. And I think if I was a coach, 
getting through two rounds and only being in the Sweet 16, yeah. that would be a little bit like, oh, yeah. there's a long way to go. But as just a want to watch as many games as possible, like down to me, it. this is like the last weekend where there's still going to be a ton of games going on. I lose my mind on the Thursday and Friday of the first round. Did you take work off to watch basketball games? Uh, I just I just watched it and did work. <laughs> it did work and also. Did, nobody seemed to stop me. I should point out that I actually I worked really hard because yeah. I was really panicky that someone I had it on my phone okay. and I had the computer going and I had my headphones into the phone. You were working more than you ever do. I would argue I got more done yeah. during those games because I wanted if I got caught, I didn't want anyone to think that I was shirking my responsibilities. Right, right. So I just flat out just watched it at work. And I think a lot of people do that. I noticed that they, they no longer have the boss button uh, on the, the streaming service. It used to be that they would have the game and then there was a, a button that you would click if your boss walked by and up would oh, yeah. come some random spreadsheet. Yeah. Uh, but they, they don't even They don't even with bother with yeah. that anymore. Yeah. Somebody told me that it's just a losing battle. So many people are into it now because of the brackets and stuff. Right. That what's the point of even trying to fight it? Right. Yeah. No, I had a moment after some, I can't remember what upset it was, where I came out in the hallway uh, afterwards because I was all jazzed up about this huge upset that had taken place. And then, uh, and then I was talking about it with a colleague, and then we both had to start saying, I mean, so I've heard. I mean, I'm guessing that that happened. <laughs> I forgot the upset. Oh, it was the Georgia State um, upset. Oh, right. I was watching that. The at broken work. leg dad. Yeah. Game. Yeah. <laughs> and I got really excited and I jumped up and somebody was like, what's wrong? And I was like, well, just so you know, like this team I was rooting for won. It was a huge upset. And they let me talk about whatever I wanted for 10 minutes. <laughs> wow. Yeah, nice. It was really nice. It's such a good time of year. All right. Here's what we're going to do. Uh, it is the Sweet 16 and there's a lot of famous coaches in, you know, still in play. Mike Krzyzewski from Duke. Uh, others, uh, Tom Itzo from the Michigan States. and uh, But there are some that I'm not sure are as famous. So, Mike, we're going to play a game here called Sweet 16 Coach or Former Steve Miller Band Member. Okay. I will give you the name of a person. You tell me if it was formerly of the Steve Miller Band or a coach still coaching in the men's tournament. Okay. All right. Greg Marshall. Uh, coach. Wichita State. Very nice. Billy Peterson. That's the band for sure. Bass player Steve <laughs> yeah, Miller band. Of course, he's a bass player. Gary Malibur. The band. Not a bass player necessarily, but I bet he's in a band. He is a former drummer for the Steve Miller band. Uh, Chris Mack. Coach. Coach of Xavier. You are got a perfect score so far. I wish far. this was the ACT. Yeah. Larry Kristoviak. Coach. Of Utah. I'm on fire. Tim Davis. It's such a basic name. I'm going to go coach. Drummer. Oh. Co-founder of the Steve Miller Band. There's a guy named Tim who plays drums? You're a co-founder of the Steve Miller Band, <laughs> and somehow you signed off on it being called the Steve Miller Band. Do you think it was like Steve and Tim for a while, and they're eventually <laughs> like, come on, dude. One may note that Steve Miller is still in the band, and Tim Davis is no longer. Mark Gottfried. Oh, that's a coach. NC State. Mike Bray. That's a coach. Yes, it is. Leo Sidron. <laughs> he's, he's like the manager of the band, right? Former drummer. Oh, my God. How many drummers has Steve a lot Miller of drummer, gone through? A lot of drummers. And then finally, John Massaro. Oh. I'm going to go coach. 
Ah, guitarist. Oh, are you kidding me? Formerly of the Steve Miller Band, but eight out of ten, pretty good. That's a Thank solid you. B. I didn't realize that Steve Miller Band had so much turnover. Go to the Wikipedia page. There are two guys with the last name <laughs> Sidron alone. Are you kidding it me? goes on and on and on. Yeah, I don't know. He just loads them up on a jet airliner and sends them flying like an eagle, do 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 to the sea. He abracadabra reaches out and stabs you. Hey, gut reaction. Yeah. Is Rick Pitino a vampire? <laughs> Rick Pitino is a vampire. John Calipari is a werewolf. Yep. Yep. That's my thinking. I my think thinking so. On it too. And uh, Mike Krzyzewski will one day be a mummy. Yeah, for sure he will. I think that's going to happen. All right. Final topic. John Urschel is a lineman with the Baltimore Ravens and a math scholar. He is better at both football and math than you or I will ever be at anything. He uh, is not only a really good football player, professional football player, but his name is on a paper with other authors in a scholarly journal of math. I would try to describe what this paper is about to you, but they could be making stuff up for all I know. It's one of the longest titles I've ever read. It really is. Here's what worries me. As his day job, he gets his head caved in on purpose. Did you hear his quote on it? He's like, no. I just like to hit people. <laughs> I like, like to do it. It yeah. was the most honest. He, somebody ta- asked him about the concussions. He's like, yeah, obviously he's aware of it. Right. He's like, the thing is, I enjoy doing it. And then he just kind of like <laughs> dropped the mic and everybody was like, oh, okay, yeah, I guess it is a choice. When I, when I was a kid, I never played organized football, but I would play with my brother and his friends and they were six years older than me. So like I was playing with them when I was 11 and they were 17. And they would play these pickup games in the park and I, tackle. And I would just get drilled and, like, be sore. And it takes a lot to make an 11-year-old sore. Yeah. And, like, it was just so great. I remember that pain and that being hit just feeling so completely awesome. It's the greatest feeling on earth. Like, when you tackle one of your friends. Yes. And they're this sounds awful now. Yes. But when they're lying on the ground for a second or two, and they're just kind of twitching, <laughs> that is the greatest You've accomplished feeling. something. Yeah, and you know it's coming to you later. Yeah. But it is a really great feeling. And you really feel something, even when you get hit. Like, there's, there's something about being hit, but in the context of the, the field of play, the field of, of football, and under the auspices, where you know that it's not going to escalate to being stabbed or right. shot. Do you know what I felt after I solved my first long division problem? Yeah, what? Nothing. Nothing at all. Nothing at all other than (laughs) there's still eight more of these on the page. I am in a a rock and roll band, uh, a recreational band. As you you play softball, I am in rock bands. Okay. That's how it works. And uh, in my band, the entire rhythm section is math professors. Really? Yeah, from two different colleges. Bass player from one college drummer from another college and uh, I asked them about this guy about this football player because I want to know if it was a novelty or if like I I don't know some math scholarly math publication felt charitable or something and and allowed this guy in and uh, and our drummer said no you know what I had lunch with the lead author of that paper last week and uh, he said this guy's for real he's a legitimate math smarty and, and knows these things and it, it baffles me so much. First of all, it makes me feel like it's unfair 
that somebody gets to be good at both football and math yeah. when so many people suck at everything yeah. and this guy's hogging the talent. I totally agree with that. And uh, But beyond that, when these guys, when our rhythm section tries to explain something mathematical to me, I just start to f- see bright lights drifting through the air. Well, I'll put it this way. I was in marching band in high school, Uh (laughs) and this is maybe more of a rhythm thing, but counting was involved. And eventually, the marching band director marched up next to me and just started counting. (laughs) Then I was told that I was no longer allowed to play my instrument. I just had to watch the feet in front of me, and that's what I had to concentrate on. Like, that's how bad I am at math and basic counting. You were in a marching band, (laughs) and you were not allowed to actually do the band part of marching I wasn't allowed to play instrument because when I would start to try to play the instrument, instrument my feet would get all messed up and i would slow everybody well, else why down. were you even in the band why? i was in the band for a while because i liked playing clarinet until it got to the point that i needed to practice yeah and then you know freshman sophomore year of high school is all choices that you start out being right. excited about right right and then you, you don't, don't know do how it. many things you suck at yeah until life beats you down but wait was this a just until you got the hang of the counting, or was this a permanent policy? I was moved to bass clarinet later. I was taken off of marching band uh-huh. and I moved to bass clarinet in the band where all you have to do is do, 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 do. That's all you have to do over and over again. <laughs> and even during moments of that, I would get lost. In it a little <laughs> You'd bit. lose the beat. Yeah. Yeah. I, my brother had a friend, Jay, who uh, who really liked playing in the band, but was terrible at trumpet and so they they moved him to cymbals so uh he got to still be in the band and then once in a while would just do that crashing them together thing god how cathartic would that be well not so cathartic because he sucked at that too and then they moved him to triangle (laughs) that's the worst and then he was in the steve miller band and then he was in the steve miller band for a little while as everybody is all right. Well, uh, Adrian Peterson shouldn't be riding camels, uh, shouldn't be such an idiot. Lots of people were in the Steve Miller band, and uh, and math is hard. This is what we've learned. Yeah. Would you give up? Would you give up the ability to do one thing uh, if you got to do another thing slightly longer? Like this guy will be in the NFL you know, five or six years, maybe mm-hmm. if you knew that then afterwards you would not be able to do either of the things because your brain wouldn't be good enough for math anymore and uh, your body wouldn't be good enough for football anymore. What would it take to make that worth it? I, millions of dollars, maybe. Maybe millions of dollars or for that period of time being unbelievably good at that one thing. Right. Otherwise, my personality is like I would just totally put all my eggs in the I'm okay at this basket uh-huh. and let the other one just go. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I, maybe just kick ass at both things for a while and hire a videographer to follow you around watching you when you were great. So in your 60s, you could just watch it. Yeah, you could just sit at home with your broken body and mind and watch those things on repeat, and then that way everybody wins. Mike Fotis, thanks. Thank you. Sean Doolittle of the Oakland Athletics is with us. Hello, Sean. How are you doing? Good to have you with us. Okay, I read this tweet. Doolittle did sock throws this morning. First step in throwing process as he continues shoulder rehab. First of all, uh, why is your shoulder in rehab? You've gotten hurt. Yes, when I started throwing uh, in January to uh, get ready for the season, I just I was in an incredible amount of pain. 
uh, and we couldn't figure out why. I hadn't picked up a ball since October of last year, and we found a, a small tear in the rotator cuff, so uh, I've been rehabbing that for the past two months. Um, and I finally progressed to the point today where I was able to do sock throws, and, uh, you know, it sounds like I'm throwing uh, like dirty laundry all yeah. over the clubhouse, <laughs> but... Um, it's just a it's just a controlled way to start the throwing process. Uh, basically, you know, I have a ball in my hand, but I have a sock over my hand, uh, and they they tape it up so that I actually release the ball when I when I throw, but it only goes you know into the end of the sock. So it, it's not something where I have to worry about my release point. Right. It's really just to get the arm moving, and you know, it was nice to. Uh, do some throwing again, even if it was just uh, throwing into a sock. So the sock is over your arm, you throw the ball, and then it goes into the end of the sock, and then you just roll the ball back into your hand and do it again? Essentially, yeah. And, you know, you, you do two sets of 15, but, it, you know, you do it inside with the uh, the trainer standing right next to you. So Is the trainer laughing at you or other people laughing at you because you're throwing a ball into a sock? Um, I was laughing at myself. Okay. And I think the trainers were we're kind of uh, patting themselves on the back because we've made such great progress to the point where now I can do sock throws. So um, it was, uh, it was cause for, uh, you know, a little bit of celebration. Yeah. Yeah. Is this a new technique, the sock throw? Um, relatively. Um, I know organizations have different philosophies on how to initiate the throwing progression after an injury. Um, and this is this is the the way that that we've done it. Do you use your own sock, or is it a special <laughs> sock that is just no, built for this? One of the the, the team issued socks. You know, okay. I went in my okay. locker and and found one that not that wearing a special bad and yeah, okay, that. okay, okay. So where do you go from here with the rehab? Because you didn't have surgery for the rotator cuff. Yeah, correct. We just had. Um, we did a, a platelet-rich plasma injection uh, into the shoulder, which sounds awesome, uh, but it is incredibly painful. Um, although it seemed to have worked, so uh, it seems to have been worth it. But from here, uh, we'll do sock throws another a couple more times, and then um, by the end of this week, I'll be actually playing catch with a human being and um, leave the, the sock in the, in the hamper. Okay. And um, it'll be a process. Um, so essentially my spring training is just starting, um, well, while yeah. these guys are getting ready to start the season. That's what I was going to ask you about. So you're down there in Arizona with the Oakland A's and, uh, everybody else is playing in these, these games and working out and playing ball. And you're just sitting around hoping to one day throw into a sock. <laughs> well, <laughs> how, how do you fill your keep, days? They keep me very busy. Um, with what? You know, every day I'm doing shoot probably, at least two hours worth of stuff inside, um, various strengthening stuff for the shoulder, flexibility stuff, stretching, all kinds of exercises that they got me doing for um, my shoulder, my back, and then you know just other general workouts and my my conditioning and um, making sure that the rest of my body is 100% ready so that when we start the throwing process, we have you know we increase our chances of things going as smoothly as possible. Um, so I don't, it, it might look like it, but I don't have a ton of downtime. Um, it's a little frustrating cause the, the way that the team is coming together, we got so many new guys and, um, that, you know, I think 
we made, uh, I believe it was nine trades this offseason. Wow. So we brought in a number of new guys. And seeing the way the team has come together and seeing the way things are shaping up, I think we're going to be really good. And it's such a it's a fun group of guys. Um, the games have been have been fun to watch. Um, so it, it is a little frustrating that I won't be able to be uh, a part of that once the season starts. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I didn't think that you were that you were doing much. I didn't realize you were working up to two hours a day and then watching <laughs> a baseball game. Um, they keep me uh, they keep me super busy, and um, you know I've actually uh, I actually got into pretty decent shape. So okay. we're trying to, to turn that into a positive. Do you ever get completely sick of Arizona? Because that's a long time to be in Arizona. <laughs> It's grown on me over over my baseball career. Really? Um, I started coming out here in 2007 um, after I got drafted, and um, you know, for various fall leagues and every spring training, I've been coming out here for uh, shoot, what does that make it? Seven or eight years. I've been living out here for the past three years. Um, in the off season, and uh, yeah, I, it, it just um, it makes so much sense to to be down here with the nice weather. Um, our facilities, our, our strength and conditioning facilities are, are out here, and I can work with our strength and conditioning coaches during the off season. Um, you can get outside and throw and uh, run outside and not have to worry about shoveling snow or uh, you know the, the rainy, gray winter days that we get back home in, in New Jersey where I'm from. Yeah. I miss winter a, a little bit, but then when I, I get a text message every three or four days this winter with my family, back east with with more snow updates and multiple feet of snow so it's grown on me over the course of my uh my baseball career for sure anytime you want to come up to saint paul and catch up on <laughs> snow shoveling i did some this morning so there's there's, there's oh plenty goodness. of opportunities yeah oh my gosh all right so sean doolittle of the oakland athletics i have a, a series of stupid questions for you questions that i've okay. often wanted to to ask either you or people on your team, or professional athletes. So here we go. Okay. If you get paid the same when you're injured, why not just be injured all the time? It's so much easier. <laughs> uh, you know, it, uh, it gets really boring and frustrating just sitting on a training table yeah. while you're watching everybody else go out and play. I think it, it's in all of our competitive nature that we want to do anything and everything to get back out on the field. Fortunately, we have the safety net of in baseball. We have the safety net of guaranteed contracts, right. so that you can take you can take your time and do your rehab right, and not have to rush back or maybe just give it some kind of injection or quick fix to get back on the field and right. kind of de- delay the process of maybe a serious injury happening down the road. Um, but I think that's the biggest thing is that you know my whole life I've wanted. I wanted to play baseball, and uh, your competitive nature takes over, and you, you'll you'll do anything you, you got to do to get back to get back on the field. When I when I was uh, I remember there was a pitcher for the Seattle Mariners named Greg Hibbard, and I think he played he was on their roster for something like fifty years and never never played a single <laughs> game. And I also thought it sounded like the most awesome job. Okay, next question. You're a closer. In a clutch situation, guys on base, games on the line, important game, do you ever cry or almost cry? <laughs> no, I've never. There's no crying in baseball. Oh, right? no, that's uh, right. That's right. I forgot about that. 
Yeah, no, I've never, uh, I've never been. Fortunately, I've never been reduced to tears. I've, <laughs> I've had some pretty difficult losses, um, and uh, I haven't yet, um, I haven't yet cried on the field. So okay. hopefully, things don't go. You know, that bad. Okay, next question. Uh, with that long beard that you have, do you ever feel like a sort of new version of Santa when you're pitching? <laughs> um, yeah, I'm like a, like a Scottish Santa. Yeah. Um, right. Delivering delivering gifts. Um, delivering gifts that are all fastballs. Um, my deliveries might be a little different than Santa's, but, you know, we're both... Um, <laughs> kind of uh, big guys with big beards and yeah. we're hoping more often than not to make people happy. Unless they play for the other team. Uh, <laughs> next question. Why is there an apostrophe between A and S in A's if it's not a possessive? Because the, it isn't the Oakland things that belong to A, if you know what I mean. You're blowing my mind right now. I can't, I've never... <laughs> Have I you don't... noticed that? Or is it there... Oh my... Or is it there as like a, a shortening, like when you say don't, you put the apostrophe where the missing O is and do not? It's got to be a shortening. Okay. It, I, I, I can't believe I've never thought of this. For the amount of time that, <laughs> um, you know, I spend sitting in the bullpen right. uh, Looking with at my that mind name. wandering for the first three, four <laughs> innings of the game, I can't believe um, that never uh, popped into my head when I've just been looking at my hat or so talking to somebody else on that team you've never um, noticed the apostrophe because it, because originally it was the they were the something like the philadelphia athletic baseball club right and i and you know by the time they got to kansas city they were the kansas city athletics and um even back then though they just had they just had an a they didn't have an, an apostrophe s on their hats yeah um so i would imagine that it's just a shortening but um, I hope so. Nah. Well, if it wasn't there, it would be as Oakland as Oakland, and then it's an incomplete sentence. Oakland as what? You just don't know. <laughs> Oakland is heck. Oakland, yeah. So Oakland. And finally, I just want you to give me the most cliched athlete answers that you can to some really terrible cliched sports questions. Are you ready? Okay. All right. So, Sean, how'd you feel out there? You know, I felt great. Um, you know, I just tried to control all the things that I could control and take it one pitch at a time. And, you know, fortunately, I was able to help the team win. What do you think of this year's team? You know, I think it's going to be a great team. Um, we're very we're very balanced. We're very versatile. Um, you have a lot of guys in there that are willing to do anything to help the team win. And, um you know, they're playing for the name on, on the front of their jersey, not the name on the back of their jersey. So that's what uh, that's what's going to make this team special. And uh, finally, uh, what's on your mind out there on the field? What was on your mind out there in the field during that game? Uh, you know, out there, I was just trying to uh, to really focus and simplify things, and you know, kind of like I said before, take it take it one pitch at a time. Um, focus on on controlling the things that I can control, and. Um, you know, not trying to do too much and uh, just trying to, to help the team win any way I can. Sean Doolittle of the Oakland A's, good luck with your sock, good luck with your shoulder, and uh, and good luck with the apostrophe. Thank you very much. I'm going to go do some laundry. I got a bunch of socks to pick up. <laughs> 
returning to Utah youth soccer in the spring SCL IRL X League. It looks like it was a rampage over the Wildcats by a score of 6-2. And Outlaws lost to Valley Force 3-4. Well, good luck with that and congratulations to Valley Force. Home Dunk is produced by Nina Patak. We get help from Peter Clowney, Steve Nelson, all sorts of people all over the building. Thanks to Sean Doolittle. I'm John Moe. Bye now.